Mother's Day is a good day to be in the house of God. Amen. And we've got just a bunch of wonderful ladies in this house. And I've got more than one mother in this house. I've got some grandmothers that I'm excited to have here. And it's just a good morning. And we're going to honor some mothers and celebrate them. But why don't we celebrate Jesus while we're at it? Amen. Okay? Amen. Why don't you lift your hands and lift your voice for a moment. Let's just get close to God and love Him. Lord, we enter this place with thanksgiving. We enter your courts with praise today, God. We are so thankful for all that we've been blessed with. We're a blessed people today. We recognize everything, all, all the, the benefits that you rain down on us, Lord. And we say thank you, God. And we, we want to reflect your glory and show that you are a wonderful God. You're a mighty God in all the earth. We give you the praise, Jesus. Have your way this morning. In Jesus' name. Before you're being seated, I wanted to quote what Brother Austin Jackson said Friday night. He said, God's call is not a call to be comfortable. If you're comfortable and satisfied, you're probably not doing what God wants you to do. Amen. So before you're seated, I want you to turn to somebody next to you and tell them, get uncomfortable. Amen. You do that, you can be seated. Now, don't make anybody uncomfortable this morning. Just tell them to get uncomfortable, okay? That's weird. Amen. Colossians chapter 3 is where we're going to be studying for the next few moments. Colossians chapter 3, where the blade is working feverishly to get that on the screen. Colossians chapter 3, verses 5 through 17 is what we're going to read. And uh, we've been studying a few different books that was written by the Apostle Paul, just going through them scripture by scripture and kind of dissecting what he means. Um, how many know that we're called to consume the whole word, not just part of it? We're not going to select a few scriptures and say, well, this is what we're going to study and preach and believe. We're trying to consume the whole word. But in order to do that, sometimes you've got to pull it apart and figure out exactly what the Lord is saying to us. And so Colossians chapter 3 and verse 5, we're going to read uh, several verses here. And just pay attention, as I said last week, to the, the verbiage, how he's saying some of these things, and we're going to study it out. He says in verse 5, Mortify, therefore, your members which are upon the earth, fornication, uncleanness, inordinate affection, evil, concupiscence, and covetousness, which is idolatry, for which things sake the wrath of God cometh on the children of disobedience, in the which ye also walked some time when ye lived in them. But now ye also put off all these, anger, wrath, malice, blasphemy, and here's a really good one. Are you ready for this? Filthy communication out of your mouth. Somebody said amen. Amen. Verse 9, lie not to one another, seeing that ye have put off the old man with his deeds and have put on the new man. New man. Yes. Put on the new man, which is renewed in knowledge after the image of him that created him, 
where there is neither Greek nor Jew, circumcision nor uncircumcision, barbarian, Scythian, bond nor free, but Christ is all and in all. Put on, therefore, as the elect of God, holy and beloved, bowels of mercy, kindness, humbleness of mind, meekness, long-suffering, forbearing one another and forgiving one another, if any man have quarrel against any, even as Christ forgave you, so also do ye. And this is important. And above all these things, put on charity. Now, there are many verses in the Bible where it says charity and the, the actual meaning is love. So put on love, which is the bond of perfectness. And let the peace of God rule in your hearts to the which you are also called in one body. And be thankful. Let the word of Christ dwell in you richly in all wisdom, teaching and admonishing one another in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs, singing with grace in your hearts to the Lord. And whatsoever you do in word or deed, do all in the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks to God and the Father by Him. And we're going to focus on that where it says, put on charity, put on love. That is our title this morning. It's what we're going to study. Put on love. Every Saturday morning for a long period of time, there was an Eskimo fisherman and he would walk into a small Arctic town with his two dogs every Saturday. And the dogs had been taught to on command by this Eskimo fisherman begin to fight. And so he would call them out once they got in town. He'd get a large group of people there, and he would start a dog fight. And he would gather the people to watch and uh, place bets on who would be the top dog. This was his weekend side hustle, if you will, where he was making his money. And the outcome of the contest would change unpredictably. And nobody knew from week to week which dog it is that would win. This was the excitement. And one Saturday, the Husky would be champion, and another one, the other, would be a champion. And the next weekend, it would be back to the other one, and it's just totally unpredictable. And people were beginning to get suspicious of this man. And one day, one of the men spoke up, and he said, how do you always know which dog will win? Because this fisherman's obviously betting too. The pointed question, how do you know which dog is always going to win? You're always winning the money. And the fisherman grinned. A big smile came across his dark face. And he said, I feed one and starve the other. And the one I feed always wins because he's strong in the moment. And they were all being fooled. Behind the scenes, he always knew exactly which dog was going to win. And very similarly, like choosing which dog to feed on any given week, Christians have to choose what nature they're going to feed. Amen. The nature of sin or the nature that God has placed in them when he saves them, the nature of God. What are they going to feed? There's an inner spirit that can be fed, and then there's a carnal nature that can be fed, and that goes for every single person. 
doesn't matter who you are, doesn't matter how long you've been living for God, you make the conscious decision when you get up on Monday morning and every other day of the week, this is what I'm going to feed in my life. This is what I'm going to put into my heart. This is what I'm going to partake of. And nobody makes that decision for you. Amen. You make it for yourself. And so a person who dwells on negative things and lives in a mode of depression is far more likely to have or lean towards suicidal tendencies because of what they're feeding. Right. A person who reads up and studies tips about baking is likely going to improve their food for most people. Some of us just don't have any chance at it. We're not any good at it. And what we feed produces something. It always produces something, whatever you're feeding in your life. Now, when I was in high school, I played basketball for a period of time. And I, was, I wasn't great at it. I was mostly used for defense, but I could shoot a little bit. And there was a point where I made the decision, I'm going to focus on baseball and leave the basketball behind. I'm going to focus my time on this. This is what I'm better at. And I could play a little. I mean, I could keep up with everybody. And I quit playing. And then uh, about five or six years down the road, I get uh, on the youth committee in the Arkansas district. And we go to our meetings. And I have no idea that these guys are planning on playing basketball until about 2 o'clock in the morning after we have our meetings. And so I get there, and they expect you, you better be there if you're on this youth committee. You're going to play basketball. I said, okay. And I got out there, and I could not shoot to save my life. And the reason for it is I had not practiced, and I had not fed that skill. <coughs> and I told them, guys, if y'all want to go out onto a baseball field, you know, I'll look worthy even standing here right now. But if we're going to play basketball, I'm, I'm going to be the last one to be picked next time. I guarantee you. What you feed has effect on your entire life. Everything around you. Now, how about this? The person who spends time in the prayer room has favor and power with God. Amen. Because it's what they're feeding. Yes. If you have conversation with God out of a choice and you're feeding that... Then when it comes time that something really needs to happen and you go to God in prayer, He knows you because He's talked to you. Amen. You fed a relationship with God and it has pull with Him. More than a person who in a moment just calls out to Him and He hasn't talked to Him in a long time. I'm not saying God won't answer that prayer, but... Let me ask you this. Somebody that you really love and you're close to, when they have a need, it's much easier to, to settle that need for them than somebody you really don't even know because you've got a closer connection to them. You've got a love for them. That's the way that God feels about our relationship with Him. And so this scripture tells us to stop feeding the old man. It says specifically, put off the old man. And the text begins with the word mortify. Now, the word mortify, it originates from the same word that we get mortician. Mortify. And uh, it's associated with the death of a body. It refers to the actual spirit of unsaved men in this scripture. We're talking about 
of the old nature that we had before God came into our life. How many know that when you uh, had that initial experience with God, you all of a sudden decided that you're going to quit doing some stuff. Amen. You, you had a, uh, something rise up in you that says, I need to remove the old man in my life. There's some things that I've been doing that this new nature God's put in me says, you need to leave that alone. I'm making you a new creature in Christ Jesus, the scripture says. It's, it's a total different being that we're trying to take on. And in other words, once a person is saved, the spirit is alive and that sin nature has to be put to death. It's got to be mortified, as that scripture said. And Paul instructed these believers to mortify any member of their bodies that would lead them into judgment or trouble. And, and he names them off. It becomes very specific. Put to death the old man. And he begins to name these things specifically because believers are new creations in Christ Jesus, the scripture says, as they grow, they're to become more like him. This is the goal. If you don't know what the goal is today or why you came to church or why you thought about living for God in the first place is because we want to become more like him. Amen. Yes. We're not trying to become like any other person. Though attributes of other people that are living for God might be good to consider. Paul said, follow me as I follow Christ. Amen. And so ultimately we're trying to reflect God. And that means that we've got to be a people of integrity. We've got to make decisions that reflect that we're living for God. Anybody can say that they're living for God. But people today, I'm telling you. People today are looking for the evidence in your life that you're living for God. Amen. They want to see the effects of it because that's what they're really looking for. They need that change in their own life. And so, down to where the rubber meets the road this morning, there are things that God desires that we get out of our lives like snakes out of a garden. I got on the phone with Brother Austin Jackson I believe it was Wednesday as I was driving home and I was just reminding him about the service, making sure he's going to be there because I don't want to end up preaching on Friday night. I want Brother Austin to preach Friday night, praise God. And so I'm just making sure everything's set and in order. And about 30 seconds into the phone call, he says, man, I've got to hang up. I'm in my front yard doing yard work and I'm looking at about five foot snake." And my kids are in the backyard right now. And I said, man, call me back when you get the job done. Because my perception of it is there is no good snake until it's dead. <clears throat> and I have to share some stories this morning. My grandmother's here. And uh, I remember when I was just a young man and we would stay at her house. If there was a snake... And she knew about it. She dropped everything. Everything. The beans can burn. She dropped everything. And she took care of that snake because she's got a love for her kids. She don't want that snake to get to her kids. And even, even driving, I, I went to church with her one time. I think it was a Wednesday night going to Calvary, which is Pentecostal Jonesboro now. 
And me and Brother Blake were in the back seat, I think, and, and she was driving down her gravel road, and there was a snake that fell out of a tree on the hood of her car. Now, this thing's not going to hurt any one of us, okay? It can't touch anybody. But it lands on the car, and it falls off, you know. And she begins to drive away, and she stops. And she says, no, we got to kill that thing. And she backs up, backs up till she can see it in the road, and then she drives forward, and then she puts it in reverse and goes back, and then she drives forward, and she makes sure that that thing is dead. Absolute sure. And I'm, you know, she keeps doing that. I'm looking at Blake, and I'm like, I hope we make it to church. <laughs> and uh, I, I remember a story that dads told me one time where they were, uh, they, they were just boys and, and there was a snake that was in the yard and she got after it and it went to sort of a pile of rocks where it couldn't be seen anymore and she reached into those rocks and got it by the tail and pulled it out of there and killed the thing. Because it's got to be killed. It's got to be out of the way. I don't, I don't want a snake out there and know it's there and me not know where it's at. I'm going to find it and take care of it. Do you know that in your life, God is commanding us today, this morning, that there are snakes that we can allow into the garden. And when we come to God, He says it's time to go get the shovel and take care of the problem. Amen. Because if we allow them to stay, at some point, they're going to overtake us. That's right. Oh, my. I like what Brother Austin Jackson said Friday night. He, he got to talking about thorns. Anybody hear that? The seed goes out, goes on stony ground, and then there's the thorny ground. And it can't, nothing can grow up on that ground, even though you can, you can pile seed up. And nothing's going to grow because we've allowed thorns to stay there. When you start living for God, you've got to make the decision and say, God, show me where the thorns are at in my life. And I'll go through and take every one of them out so there will be growth. Yes. Amen. Amen. Anybody with me this morning? Amen. There's just some things that's got to be removed out of our garden, ladies and gentlemen. Yes. They cannot stay. Did you know that perhaps if Adam had been, had been protecting the garden and taking care of it, maybe there wouldn't have been a snake there in the first place. We've got to protect. We've got to protect. And it affects our own family if we don't get the snakes out of the garden. Anybody ever read that term in the Bible that says iniquity? Iniquity. I know there's words in the Bible you're like, you got to get out the Webster's, kind of figure out exactly what we're talking about here. You know what iniquity is? It's sin that lasts a long time. It can even go into a generational sin. Right. And if we don't get the snakes out of the garden, the things, the old man, we don't really put that old man off. It'll go to our kids. Yes. It'll go to their kids. Amen. And on down. And before long, that old man will grow to the point that there was never a new man there in the first place. We've got to get the old man out. We've got to get that old man out of our lives. God is creating new creatures. Not a new feature of us, but a new creature in us is what God is trying to do. Completely different. A totally different nature. Everything about them is different. 
Amen. And so Paul tells them that they've got to grow and become more like Jesus. God wants to create his likeness in you. That's, that's the goal of God. He wants his people and the church to be a reflection of him in the earth. And in order to do that, he has to remove things. We've got to mortify some things. The, the scriptures that we read in our text go on to say, he command, I know this, this is not a, a newsflash for anybody, but this is what Paul, he was commanding in his scripture to the church. He says, lie not to one another. Lie not to one another. That's part of that perhaps filthy communication. Lie not to one another. Anybody ever be around someone that's like a compulsive liar? I worked with a guy less than a month ago that I'm telling you, if he opened his mouth and I just, you know, most of the time I just kind of shook my head, you know, and just went along with it because it's not going to stop. It can become so easy for that to become a nature. It's because the old man is not being put off. It's not. It's allowed to grow if it stays. And lying is the result of a corrupt nature that's within us, causes us to want to lie for our own benefit most of the time is why we do it. And it, it's part of that old man that's got to be put off. Believers have to speak a language of truth. Truth is our communication in the church. Amen. Amen. Everything, everything that we do has to be based out of truth. Amen. It's got to be the language of us because we cannot have the language of the father of lies. Amen. And so we put off the old man, but we don't just stop at that. Now, this is important. We don't just leave the old man and not have anything to step into to change. We got to put on the new man. Amen. There's a new man, a new nature. And Paul told the Colossian church in no uncertain terms, their identities as people of God were no longer based off of social status. It's no longer based off of race or creed. It's not because of what family you've been raised under. Now, you are a child of God. And because they are His and they're set apart and dedicated to God, they are dearly loved and favored by Him. Now, I really want you to get this this morning. You are a child of God. Amen. You understand how amazing that is? There are powerful people in this world that just to be their son or daughter makes you powerful, makes you rich, makes you esteemed and favored. But there is nobody that you could ever be a son or daughter to that's going to make you any richer or any more powerful than being a child of God. Yes. It, sometimes it's hard to let that sink in and, and really understand. We just say, child, I'm a child of God. You know, there's a lot that comes with that this morning. Yes, sir. You're given... By the power of the Spirit, authority over, as we studied last week, powers and principalities and things of this world that overtake so many of the people because they've not become a child of God. 
They're under the authority of things and they're being oppressed by things because they don't have the power in God. They're not a child of God to overcome it. But if you're a child of God, you're an overcomer. Yes. You can overcome any spirit, any, any spiritual battle that you come up against. You're a child of God. And so you, you've got to take on the new man completely. Amen. And because of that oneness and calling of all people, no matter who you are, the value of it, Paul advised the members of the church to put on this new man completely, every bit of it. Do away with the old man. And then it says in Ephesians chapter 4, it says that you put off concerning the former conversation the old man which is corrupt according to the deceitful lusts and be renewed in the spirit of your mind and that ye put on the new man which after God is created in righteousness and true holiness. Now I want you to pay attention to something. This is Ephesians chapter 4 verse 22. It uses the word is instead of was. It uses the word which is corrupt, the old man. And the new man, which after God is created in righteousness. This thing that we're doing, trying to become more like Jesus, is a continual work. Yes, it is. God's doing it even right now this morning. Amen. He progresses us to be more like him. He changes us. To be more like him. And, and maybe you've had a moment even recently in a service or in prayer where God has impressed upon you. And he said, I'm going to take this away from your life. But then I'm going to add this to your life. And in doing that, he's creating his image in you. To be more like Jesus. Now, th this is going to hit a little bit hard today, okay? Sister April, I see her head turn up when I do that. She's listening. None of us have arrived. That's right. That's right. In becoming like Jesus. Nobody here. There's no minister. There's no bishop. There's no person who prays and, and you know knows their Bible from front to back that has arrived in becoming like Jesus because it's not going to happen until we receive that new body. That's right. Amen. And we go up to be like him. So, I cannot today have an attitude that I have arrived and become like Jesus. Come on. This is where that uncomfortable comes in. I cannot get comfortable where I'm at with God. That's right. Because it's a progression. We talk about moving forward, and at some point it needs to become a momentum yes. to where somebody, Brother March, don't have to hold our hand and say, Now, brother, you know, at some point it's got to become, I'm going to read the word on my own. Yes. Nobody has to tell me to pray. And then there's a momentum that begins to take place because it's just you and God and you becoming more like Him, taking on His likeness. Nobody has arrived today, but we're on a mission. We're on the way there, and we're going together. Amen. And there's going to come a point where I'm going to look at you, and you're going to look at me, and you're going to see the glory of God flowing over me. I'm right. going to see it over you. And then we'll turn to each other and say, we have arrived. Right. At that point, we'll be with him. 
But until then, you know what I've got to do? I've got to have an attitude of uncomfortable. Amen. I can't get comfortable where I'm at. I've got to become more like him. I've got to talk to him more. I've got to read and study his word more and let him speak to me more. Now, this, this here's something for you. At some point in your prayer, you've got to stop talking to God and let him talk to you. Yes. I know a lot of times, I know because I've done it, we end up in prayer. Sometimes it's like we're an auctioneer. And God's like, I'm trying to get a bid in, but you won't stop talking. <laughs> trying to say something. And you'd auction that thing off and get your answer to prayer, but you won't let God speak to you, you know? And so I'm just throwing this in here this morning. At some point, you know, you prayed and you've gotten close to God and we progress through the tabernacle and you get into that Holy of Holies. Stop for a minute in your worship and just let the Holy Ghost begin to speak and move on. You say, well, you know, I'm not like some of these people where God speaks to them in their spaghettios. That's okay. That's okay. All right? God will still speak to you. It may not be this formal thing, you know, where there's handwriting on the wall or all of a sudden books begin to fall off your bookcase, you know, and it's, oh, the presence of the Lord is here. No, sometimes, as a matter of fact, a lot of the time with me, God impresses it upon me in my mind. Yes. The thought will be there that I did not think. Amen. It wasn't my own organic thought. God placed it there. Yes, he did. And you'll feel it. There won't be any doubt about it. You'll know God's speaking to you. When you're in that peace and that setting where he can operate and you've put off the old man in your prayer enough to where he recognizes this is somebody that's taken on my name. It's no longer just Ira Causey, but it's Ira Causey Jesus. And that's my child of God. That's my child of God that's speaking to me, that I love, that's praying to me. And he don't just come to me when he's got a need. But he talks to me. Boy, it's so easy to respond to that. It's so easy for God to bless his children when they talk to him. Amen. And so we've got to progress toward that day when we have arrived. And people who study the word and pray more increase their knowledge of God. And in doing this, we've allowed God to display his likeness in us. The closer we get, the more people see him in us. We, we had a sign one time at BBS was on this wall that said we are growing to be like Jesus yeah. and it had flowers you know and trees growing up on it. that was kind of the thing it was a farm thing and uh, the, the, it said we're growing to be like Jesus but if you're going to do that there's got to be labor in a garden somebody's got to get out there Amen. and work that garden Amen. you're not going to grow if you don't partake of his spirit you're not going to grow if you don't partake of his word. There's necessary ingredients. You've got to have water and sunlight. If you don't, it's just not going to happen. Now, I don't have a green thumb by any means. I'm terrible, terrible at growing anything. But I do know this. I do know this. If I can take even just a few moments at the end of my day or at the beginning of my day and focus on reading the word and praying, there will be something come up. Yes. It'll grow. 
It'll grow. And then if it's not, this is my suggestion today, let's remove some thorns. Amen. And some weeds and see what grows up. Maybe you hadn't grown in a long time and you feel like I'm kind of stuck in this spot with God. If we allow thorns to grow up, it'll, it'll prevent personal growth and it holds us down. And I'm going to tell you the honest truth. For a lot of people that come to God, they'll come to the altar and they'll repent. They'll receive the Holy Ghost, evidenced by speaking another tongue, and they'll be baptized in Jesus' name. But they never laid that one thing down. Amen. And mortified it. And they leave, and there's been such a change and an uplifting. But they go back, and there's one or two things they didn't put everything down. And it's still there. There's a thorn or something that's preventing the growth. God wants us to grow without hindrance today. Amen. He don't want there to be any hindrance in your life. Amen. Amen. And, and he's not just going to remove it for us because we've got to be willing and say, God, I'm done with this. Take it out of my life. And there's been people coming to this place and they've laid whatever it is down on the altar and said, I'm not coming back to it. And because of that, God's blessed them in, in numerous ways. Right. Because they've said that one thing that I forgot about, I'm going to do away with it and let God have my whole life. He don't want just a piece of the pie today. He wants the whole thing. That's right. He wants the good areas in your life. He wants the bad areas. So he can make something new and grow you up. And grow in the likeness of God. Put on the virtues of the new man. He begins to call out these things in our text he says, bowels of mercy. It's another way of saying tender mercies. You, you hear tender mercies. People pray that sometimes. It's in the Bible. It speaks of having a deep compassion to those who are afflicted. We ought to have compassion for people. And uh, then he talks about kindness. Now, that's not a hard one. Don't be rude. Okay? Now, I've already talked about my escapade driving in Memphis, I need to take on some kindness, okay? It's not always easy to be kind. You gotta put off that old man, and sometimes that old man tries to grow back up and take hold and do something that the old Ryan would have done. You gotta remove that, you gotta stop it at some point and say, no, I'm going a little bit too far. Now, like I said, there's nobody that has arrived. You've always gotta fight that. Yes. You always got to fight that. It's a war that we're fighting today. And then he says, humbleness of mind. So we're talking about humility and modesty. These are things that we need to take on as the new man. Meekness. So that's gentleness or mildness. It, it would include holding back from retaliating against somebody who's done you wrong or provoked you. Long-suffering. That means patience or endurance. Being able to endure. The Bible says that he that endures to the end will be saved. <clears throat> he that endures to the end. Not just somebody who had a flash moment with God, but he who endures to the end. Amen. Amen. Forbearing one another. Now that means to be lenient. Patience. Under burdens. Forgiving one another. That's a hard one sometimes. We ought to be forgiving people. A people of God ought to be a forgiving people. Yes, amen. amen. And these are the things that he says that a person who is the new man 
will take on. There's sometimes things will just grow up in your life, and, and, and not always is it in the Bible, okay? Now, this is a concern that some people have. Well, this area that some might consider a thorn, I can't find it in the Bible. Well, you know what else you're not going to find in the Bible? Toaster ovens. You're not going to find um, F-150s. Central heat and air. That's why we have to understand this book as it was written in a different time. They did not write about these things because they were not there. However, that doesn't mean that God doesn't consider some things a thorn that has to be gotten rid of. Are you with me this morning? We're digging a little bit deep. Hey, I've got a friend. I've got a friend. Now, I want you to understand something. I want to preface this. We are not legalistic. We don't force people to get things out of your life. That's why I'm preaching. You need to observe your life, the thorns that are there. And God says, get in there and get them out. And you need to work with God on that. We don't force people to do things in this church. You've got to make a decision for yourself. I'm going to live for God, and I'm going to be a part of this, and I'm not going to be a part of that. However, I've got a friend, a very close friend who's a minister, and before he came to God, he uh, decided that in order to really live for God like he needed to and put off that old man, he had to stop going to the gym. And his reason for it, he'll tell you, it's not to say that people need to quit going to the gym by any means, but it was his attitude in doing it that was hindering him. It was not for health. It was not for fitness. He'll tell you personally today that the reason that he was doing it is to get people to admire him. He had pride in his life. And he wanted people to look at him. And he said that's the reason he'd go to the gym. He got up because he was wanting people to, to you know, really admire his fitness, you know. And he said, I had to get that out of my life. It became about motives. So I want you to think about this today. Some of the things that we do, we wonder if they're a thorn or not. If it's part of that old man that needs to be gotten rid of, what is the motive behind it? Why do we do it? Why, why do we not want to let go of it? What is it about that old man that we want to hang on to? Why do we want to do it? The Bible says, above all, when we put off these things, this is the core of what Paul wanted to say, put on love. Put on love. It says charity, put on love. In everything we do, we've got to do it in love. Can I have an amen? Amen. Everything, this is going to be a church of love. Yes. We're going to be a church of prayer. We're going to be a church of worship. We're going to be a church of truth. But we're going to be a church of love. Amen. Somebody's going to say amen this morning. Amen. We're going to be a church that loves people beyond everything else, no matter who they are, what they've been through. And any spiritual gift that's put in operation uh, and it's expressed without love is defeating the purpose of God. Yeah. That's right. God can give you a word for somebody. 
He can expressly give you a word to speak to somebody and you can corrupt that word because you didn't speak it in love. That's right. In all that we do, if we're going to take on the likeness of Jesus, you know what the real ultimate likeness of Jesus is? His love. His ultimate deed that he did for everybody come out of a spirit of love. And if we're going to have that likeness of him, we've got to have love at the center of all we do. We're going to be a loving church. And Paul would tell them, let peace fill the body. Now somebody this morning, maybe you've allowed a rough week to rob you of peace. Anybody ever feel like sometimes... At the end of the day, when you lay your head on the pillow, you just do not have peace. There's so much rolling in your mind. You might even sleep a long time, but it's not peaceful sleep. Peace has been robbed from you. If you're a child of God, hear me today. Whatever you're dealing with, God can give you peace. Amen. God can give you peace. God can give you peace this morning to where through the rest of this day and tonight and next week, you can lay your head on the pillow and rest. Yeah. He says, my yoke is easy and my burden is light. He'll take away those. Sometimes getting rid of the old man is not such a bad thing because when you take on the burden of God and you leave those burdens of sin behind, that's why it says, let all those weights that so easily beset us be put off. Right. Now, how does this sound today? God can take the weight of worry off your back this morning. Amen. Amen. I know there's bound to be somebody in this room that you've worried all week about something. And it's just a weight that's besetting you. The Lord is speaking this morning. I want to give you peace. Peace. Peace like a river. You'll be able to sleep. You'll be sometimes it's hard to pray. Your mind's so messed up with everything that you're thinking about. There's no peace in any of it. And he's the prince of peace. He's the prince of peace. We talked last week about the princes of cities and things that we're gonna have to defeat. They don't like the prince of peace. They don't want you to have peace. They're trying to take that away. God looks out over this crowd today and he sees some children of God. And if we'll request, if we'll talk to him and say, God, take these things off of us. Let me just ask you this. How many would like to go through a week where you really didn't worry at all? I know that sounds impossible. But if you're close enough to God, You're close enough to God. You can have constant peace. Yes. Not to say you're ever going to hit, never going to hit a ripple somewhere, but you'll know because you've had it that long. I can get peace. I think what I feel this morning is that God wants to minister peace to some people. You know, this is Mother's Day, and we've got some mothers that what 
what they've done for our lives is they've placed peace all around us. They've set up this structure, a home, a loving place where we feel love when we're there. There's peace in the home. Amen. God wants to give everybody peace. Maybe even some mothers that are here today. God wants to give you peace. Can we stand together this morning? And we're going to worship a while. And we're going to hear from some wonderful ladies. But I feel it appropriate for just a moment here that we pray, God, that old man, that old woman that I used to be, I'm going to leave behind today. And I'm going to take on the new man, the new woman. Amen. If you, if you could use some peace today, I wish you'd just lift your hands for a few moments. And let's talk to God. Come on, lift your voice up to God right now. Hey, we're talking to the Prince of Peace. We're, we're, we're talking to the one who can...